David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we are so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. Okay, David. What are we going to talk about today? Well, I have a question for you. Yes. I didn't prep you because I thought it'd be fun. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I just realized we haven't talked about what helps us be worry-free. Mm. Will you say one thing that's maybe even this week that's been helping you be worry-free? One thing this week that has been helping me is going on long walks. Mm. Always trying to close my circles on my Apple Watch. I think as an Enneagram one, we just love that gold star, don't we? We love that and gold every star. Every time I go on a walk and close my circle, I feel like I got a gold star. Yes. What's helping you this week? Well, it's been kind of a busy week for us. I feel like we've had Very a virtual speaking week. event or an in-person in speaking event every day this week. And it's so funny that it, I'm almost 53. I'm finally getting up early. I mean, like I got up extra early this morning because I knew I had to be in. I used to just try and maximize my sleep. And it just makes such a difference. I think both of us are functional introverts, maybe we could call it. And Agreed. that time, it just makes such a difference for me. So that and All Creatures Great and Small, my new favorite show. You've said it so good. I no, got to check it out. Can't wait for you to watch it. Okay. I'm headed there. But I'm super excited for this conversation. And my hope is it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Get it? Yes, hope, I caught that. Help. Yeah. I was going to try and th throw in understanding, but I can't <laughs> even get there. But I want to hear what you think about this. As I was thinking about this conversation, I was thinking about how I feel like with parents in our offices, the number one thing they want anymore are tools. Yes. Number one. Almost every parent that sits in our office now is like, I just want tools. I want tools to help. And 
thinking about tools, I think so often tools are reactive. You know, it feels like they want help, which understandably, of course, we all want help when something's going wrong in the moment. The meltdown's happening. The panic attack even is happening. What do we do in the moment? And I love that in Raising Emotionally Strong Boys, you talk so much about prioritizing health over happiness. And I think it is concerning to me, really, 30 years in, and again, I want to hear your thoughts, but I think 30 years in that it feels like mental health among kids, the conversations has become more reactive than proactive. Totally agree. I totally agree, 100%. Just like you talk about, I think there are things that we can do just like physically that we are going to well visits, not just the doctor's office when kids are sick, but we're prioritizing eating right and exercise and good sleep and all the things we know to do to keep kids healthy. And there are things that we're going to talk about today that we can do to keep kids healthy emotionally, not just react in the moment. And both feel the proactive and the reactive feel equally important. Agreed. And I'm excited that we're going to get to share both in this conversation. Me too. That section of your book is one of my favorites. I love the way you laid it out that we move from understanding to help and help to hope and how practical the tools are. It's why I recommend that book all the time. That's so kind of you. And I love that you break it down into help for the body, help for the brain, and help for the heart. Mm -hmm. So it's specific to all those places, which I'm excited for us to camp out in those three places today. Me too. Well, thank you for that. I mean, we spend so much time talking about all three of those portions as we're sitting with kids and families. And we always start with the body, which is obviously where we want to start in this conversation, because we know what happens. And you all have likely heard us say this before, if you've listened to us, seen us talk somewhere, because it's that important to have this conversation everywhere we go, that when we're sitting here, not anxious, unless we're making you anxious as you're listening to us right now, when we're sitting here and we're not feeling anxious, we have blood flow flowing all throughout our brain, including going to the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. When we get anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict, and it shifts the blood flow away from that prefrontal cortex and back to the amygdala, which is the fight or flight and sometimes freeze part of our brain. And so until we can calm our bodies down, then we're going to be in that fight or flight, just like you talk about with the hand model in your book, too. And and it feels so important to start there. And that's why parents say, my child's like a crazy person when they get worked up and they can't hear me because the part of their brain that can hear and can calm themselves down isn't working. And so, okay, let's talk about some ways we do it. So what I love is when we help kids breathe deeply, when we teach them to breathe deeply, it does a couple things. One is it dilates the blood vessels of the brain, shifts the blood flow back to the prefrontal cortex. And I want to read something else it does. Before we talk about how, I want to talk about another thing that I love that deep breathing does for us. I'm taking deep breaths as I'm talking about this. What so, book are you reading from right now? This is from Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety. Which I am hoping to goodness any parent of an adolescent listening is ordering right the second if you don't own it already. Thanks, David. So I'm, I'm comparing it in this section to that game Mousetrap. Do you remember that game where all yes. the things go off? Which is what it feels like yes. when our sympathetic nervous system, which is the part of our brain that takes over with fight or flight, the amygdala, our sympathetic nervous system gets all of our juices, everything on board that makes us anxious, our digestive system, all the things we hear kids talk about all the time. My tummy hurts, my head hurts, my hands get hot. I had a little girl talking about hot hands this week. 
Instead, we want to kick this parasympathetic nervous system into gear, which is the rest and digest part of our bodies. So when we're taking deep breaths, your lungs expand and press on your diaphragm wall. The diaphragm pushes your abdomen out and also pushes on your back, putting pressure on your spine. The pressure on the spine puts pressure. This is like the thigh bones connected to the leg bone. The, the pressure on the spine puts pressure on something called the vagus nerve, which happens to be the longest cranial nerve. It reaches all the way to your brain. This pressure quiets the vagus nerve and turns on the relaxation system of the body. In other words, it lowers your blood pressure, heart rate, and breathing rate. It also removes something called lactate from your blood which increases feelings of anxiety, and it increases alpha brain waves, which are related to a sense of calm alertness. It even releases serotonin, which is connected to feelings of enjoyment, contentment, and impulse control. Mm. That's a lot of trying to convince the teenagers. <laughs> but really, there are so many amazing things that breathing does for our bodies. And is so easy and can be done anywhere. And can be done either. And, okay, so let's talk about two different options. Really, we don't even need to talk about square breathing because we talk about it so much. But if we we're going to do quick overview, we basically draw a square. You call it combat breathing because I worked with some Army Rangers and Navy SEALs, and they are required to demonstrate that skill because to everything you just read, those are folks who have got to onboard rational thinking. Yes. They're in life or death situations, so they have to be able to think rationally and manage their emotions. Right. So slow square. Four seconds, y'all can do it with us as you're listening. If you're sitting in the carpool lane, wherever you are. Okay, first line, four seconds. I never can really count this while I'm talking about it. Okay, one, two, three, four. Here we go. Breathe in. Okay, breathe out for four seconds with the next line. Breathe in. Breathe out. 20 seconds of doing that begins the process of resetting the amygdala. 20 seconds. So that's one way we do it. Now, we have kids, I have girls who will say, can I draw a flower? Can I draw a star? They can draw whatever they want. But we also love that, we're about to talk about grounding here in a minute, but that movement of the drawing on their leg, because it's sensory related, is also a grounding technique. So that's one. My other favorite is something that I read about that has amazing benefits called 478. And it's one that we can use at bedtime too. And... In it, you breathe in for four seconds. So we could practice that too. So breathe in for four seconds. Hold it for seven. You have to do it, David. You're my model because I can't talk and do it at the same time. And then breathe out for eight. And when you breathe out, though, you're going to have to do it again because when you breathe out, you have to go whoosh. I'll do it <laughs> Makes again. it more fun. Okay, here, we'll do it together. Okay, breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. And something about even that motion, especially falling asleep, is so helpful to kids. Now, they may not want to sit in their desk and all of a sudden be going, whoosh. But it's really helpful. And and it has all these benefits that I've read about that are fascinating. We have less stress when that's happening, more focus when we're doing this regularly, and even less physical pain. Isn't that amazing, the amazing. benefits of it. And part of why we want to do it, as we're talking about proactively and reactively, so thinking about the amygdala taking over, the more often the amygdala takes over, the more likely it is to take over. It 
actually enlarges in our brain and develops what's considered a hair trigger response. It becomes hyper-responsive. And so I'm having kids that have any kind of apparatus, whether it's a watch, they have a device, they have something they can breathe on. We love several apps. The Abide app is one that we really love. Calm Kids, Headspace. Headspace, Pause. There's Pause. There's so many great ones. So something I really am telling kids, I want them to do it every day. At some point, even driving to school that you do it together. I wish every classroom did it in the beginning of class, because the more often we can get our bodies regulating that way, the more we're going to shrink that amygdala back down to size again and be able to function more like rational creatures. And that's not just the kids we love. That's us too. Yes. Yeah. Talk about what else. Well, and you know, speaking of the watch, we've been talking about the watch. I keep my heart rate on my face and I love when I teach kids breathing. I'll say, okay, look at my heart rate right here. Do you think it's going to go up or go down if we do a minute of breathing? And I love that kids always know, like Mm -hmm. they know it's going to go down and that they could see the hard evidence of God made our bodies in this amazing way that something as simple as breathing could slow my heart rate down. Yes. Could begin that settling process. So it's just so fun to see kids attached to it and to test drive it and then to see the benefits and come back and report all of where it's happening. And we do have kids who say they don't see the benefits. And if you're thinking that, hang on, because we're coming back to that later. Yes, we are coming right back. David, did you remember to spring forward this weekend? Actually, I did, thanks to Connie. And it feels like I lost an hour in my week. I'm still trying to catch up. Me too. I'm really glad I'd planned to make an every plate meal the other night. It saved me so much time. I feel like I got my hour back. Way to be a master time manager. What meal did you make from every plate? I made the blackened tilapia tacos with spicy kiwi salsa and lime crema. Fish tacos just feel like a spring meal. They were delicious. Sounds like it. I love that every plate makes mealtime easier, but doesn't compromise on quality. They use the highest quality ingredients, so you know the meals will be fresh and full of flavor. Did you know your tilapia was sustainably sourced? I did. And for quality that good, you can't beat the price. Every plate meals are 58% cheaper than the average fast casual meal. Not to mention it costs less than all the other meal kit companies out there. It's the most cost-effective meal kit, and it's delicious. Makes it a no-brainer for me. I can't wait for my box to come this week so Connie and I can get that hour back. Yes. Every plate saves you time with fewer trips to the grocery store and meals ready in 30 minutes or less. Get started with Every Plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code RBG149. That's $1.49 per meal when you go to everyplate.com slash podcast and enter code RBG149. David, did you get your taxes finished? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. 
She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? <laughs> a lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. I love building on that to talk with kids about not only what's happening in the brain, but what else is happening in the body that when we become anxious, our heart rate increases, mm -hmm. our pupils dilate so that we can see danger farther away, blood flow shifts to the larger muscles so we're tensed and ready. We could run faster, fight harder. Even our stomachs jump on board and there's less digestive activity, so there's more energy stored up. Now, that is a great state to be in if you encounter a grizzly bear in the woods, and that's <laughs> right. a terrible state to be in if you're about to take a time test or the ACT or shoot a free throw from the line in the fourth quarter of an important mm. game. And so for kids to be able to create that settling effect in their bodies with something as simple as breathing or something as important as movement. And I talk so much about movement in my office with boys because you know I talk a lot about how often we as males have a lot of physicality to our emotions. So we've got to have a release. And I have this equation that I talk about on page 35 of Strong and Smart where I talk about moving, breathing, thinking, talking, and getting Ooh. that order down. And Ooh, I think- Wait, say it again. Moving, breathing, thinking, talking. That's so good. And sadly, we try and reverse that. I think even yes. as parents, we start talking immediately when we're in an amped up state. Yes. And that's when we make mistakes mm. in discipline. We say things like, you're grounded for life, you know, <laughs> and we have to go back and redo it. Yes. We shouldn't even be talking because we don't have rational thinking on board. And mm. so let's do some movement first. Let's do some breathing second. Then we're going to think about what we want to say. Then we'll do the talking mm. at that point. And so... I think if we were to think about working with that equation, I laughed so hard in my office with a little boy. We were talking about 
getting the um, events out of order. And he said, you know, it's kind of like baking the cake. You got to make the cake before you can ice the cake. And I said, exactly. You wouldn't try to ice a cake that was just soupy ingredients. And so (laughs) if we think about it in that way, we're going to be folding in these important things like movement and breathing on the front side. And for a lot of boys who I think get so amped up, they've got all that intensity inside their bodies and some girls too, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they can't even do that steady work of breathing until they've gotten a little of that out. So I will sometimes say to boys, like, I want you to run some laps. Then I want you to do some breathing at that point. Get some of that initial intensity out of your body. And so think on that, parents um, who are listening. I also thinking about um, the body and movement, love having boys. I'll sometimes give them this assignment. I'll say, okay, next time you're watching ESPN with your parents, I want you to watch for evidence with professional athletes where they are doing this thing in the workbook that I call walk it off, which is something I remember learning in elementary school from my coach. He was like, okay, if you get frustrated and the refs made a call you didn't agree with, I want you to walk it off. And I remember hearing that and thinking about that and learning that and then practicing that and then watching professional athletes do that on the side of the football field, on the side of the basketball court. Otherwise, if I go up against a referee – and I start talking, start saying all things I'm thinking about. I mean, that could get me thrown out of a game. Or right. I've had so many boys like, I end up in the penalty box or mm-hmm. my coach bench me, whatever, because I opened my mouth before I started moving or breathing, before I did any of that settling work. And so I'll sometimes give boys that assignment and they'll come back and be like, oh my goodness, I saw it, I saw it. My dad and I were watching football and they were moving up and down the field and I could tell they were frustrated, but they didn't bow up against the referee or they didn't start arguing with Somebody on the other team, and I'm like, exactly, because we've all all seen what happens when you do start arguing right. with somebody on the opposing team, and a fight ensues. So I love when kids can start to see evidence of those things in the real world, too. I love that. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. I even had a kid tell me recently, he's like, I saw my fourth grade teacher doing it. I could tell. <laughs> she told us to be quiet a lot of times, and I could tell she was frustrated. She was walking around the classroom, and I said, well, good for her. Yeah. Because that is frustrating when people won't listen <laughs> Okay, I have an addition to that for parents. I had this really wise mom come in last night for a parent consult, and she has a 12-year-old daughter, so they're moving into all the adolescent Mm. issues. And she said, I was walking the other day and ran into two friends of teenagers, and I said, tell me your favorite tip for parenting teenagers. And both moms simultaneously said, hide. But I love that idea because it's kind of employing both of the things that you're talking about because your child starts to act out and they need to take a moment. And if you go hide, you're not only moving, you're getting out of the environment, but you can go take a minute to breathe. Yes. One of the moms said, I hear my daughter all the time saying, where is mom? (laughs) Because she had so much. I loved it. Hide and seek is good game for any any (laughs) age. Yes. So, okay, well, let's shift to the mind. Okay, let's do. talk a little bit about that? I would love to. As we think about offering help for the brain, this is another one of those places where it's so fun for us to get to see kids lock into things. Yes. And seeing evidence of where they work. And one of the things that I put in raising emotionally strong boys is this thing I've done in my office for years and years called the four-legged stool. And it's, you know, where I have this stool in my office that I will sometimes pull out in the middle and I'll say, okay, 
Let's think about these four legs representing something. And let me ask you a question. We're going to say one leg is thinking and one leg is feeling and one leg is doing and the other leg is truth. And we need all four kind Mm -hmm. of in the mix. We don't want to be just operating out of our feelings. But we also don't want to just be operating out of thinking without adding some feeling into the equation. And we want to factor in truth in the equation before we figure out what we're going to do. And would you want to sit on a stool with one leg, you know? No. No. Would you want to sit on a stool with two legs? No. No. And so we kind of talk through those realities. And what does it look like for you to be able to onboard all those things, which again, back to help for the body, I can't do any of that unless I've done a little breathing and movement so that I can start to bring all those things into the equation. So good. Yeah. So that's a practice I love practicing with kids. And then I love introducing kids to a mantra, something that they can say back to themselves that Mm -hmm. I think is just so helpful in different moments. Like I love when you talk with girls about bossing back the worry and I Mm -hmm. talk with boys about wrestling down the worry and figuring out something I can say back to myself in those moments when it feels really hard to do that. And I've loved the things that kids come back and report to me. And I had a little boy who would say back to himself that famous line from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep (laughs) swimming. He'd say it over and over when he would start to feel kind of paralyzed um, and in the freeze part of the amygdala's response. And then I had another little boy, firstborn perfectionistic guy, which I see a lot of those fellas who we hear so many parents report don't want to try new things because they won't get it 100% right. It might be hard. And he would say to himself every time he was tempted to bow out of something that he didn't think he could do perfectly, he would say to himself, no one is perfect. That's why pencils have erasers. Oh, Isn't that great? I love that. that was his little mantra. I love that. And one that we will encourage parents to talk with kids about is just using scripture in those places too. Yes. And memorizing a passage or a verse that I say back to myself in moments when the anxiety settles in. Mm. And so... We love 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give me a spirit of fear. And mm. saying that back to myself over and over has dual benefit. One, I'm talking back to the worry, but I'm also hiding God's word in my heart. And I'm using it, as the scripture tells us, as a weapon. Yes. And so what else would you add to help for the brain? Well, we hadn't even said this yet, but so many of the tools we're talking about are cognitive behavioral therapy tools, which is kind of the gold standard in working with anxiety. And another one of them that I talk about in the Braver, Stronger, Smarter workbook for little girls is just this cognitive behavioral therapy triangle that's just kind of foundational to that type of therapy. And it acknowledges that there is this triangle with our thoughts, behaviors, feelings, which means that the way we think impacts the way we behave, which impacts the way we feel. And and so often anxiety starts in the thoughts, which is exactly what we're talking about. And I was thinking about a little girl I saw not long ago, and I probably attach so much to this because I can do the same thing, but her loop which we talked about last time, it being like the one loop roller coaster at the fair, her loop is that her dog's gotten out. Mm. And so she'll just be sitting in her house anywhere and she'll think, oh no, has my dog gotten out? Has my dog gotten out? And that's the thought. And then the thought actually scares the amygdala. It kicks the amygdala into gear. Sometimes it starts in the amygdala. Sometimes it starts in the cortex, which is the thinking part of our brain. That's more cortex-based anxiety. And so her thought scares her amygdala. Then she starts to feel worried and even panicky, 
And then it impacts her behavior, and she goes around the house calling for her dog, which, you know, bless her little heart. And this girl was spending a lot of energy and a lot of time doing that. And and I think every one of us, you could use that triangle right now and think about what's a thought you have regularly that impacts your feelings, that impacts your behavior. And so teaching kids how to think differently to stop those thoughts and then shift them, which is exactly what you're talking about. And it is why in this section of the book, one of my favorite tools is naming the worry. And I have kids draw a picture of the worry monster, and they can come up with any name they want to. And you can go to page, it's like 59 through 61, where we talk about what it looks like to boss back the worry monster. I think that's so important. We talk a lot about it, and I think have even talked about it on here before. So let me give another tool, because it's interesting. I met with a mom last week. And she said, we did that and it was helpful. But she said, I think the most helpful tool for us was the section in that chapter about think like a detective. Mm. And having her start to, she said, she's brilliant. And so having her start to look at the evidence, how much has this really happened in the past? How likely is it to happen in the future? And then she can reason it out in a different way. Obviously, she's got to be thinking in her rational mind, not in her amygdala-driven mind in that moment. But to get to more of a rational place. And she said the other thing that was really helpful was to think about that if-then game. So if this happens, then what? And you can even with kids, with the parent book, I talk about this a lot, that's coming out in August. So if this happens and then you draw a downward arrow, then this is kind of the worst case scenario that could happen with that. If that happens, then downward arrow. So if I make a C on my quiz, then you know, what's, then I'm going to feel bad. And are my parents going to get mad at me? No, not really. And how much is it going to impact my semester grade? Not really that much. And so the more we can keep kind of playing that to the end, often we see it's not really as big as we thought it was. So those are two other things I love to do with kids that I think can be helpful in those, in that mind, shifting the thinking that impacts the behavior, that impacts the feelings. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available. Relieve sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
Real quick, that parenting book you mentioned, what's the name of that book? Where could I get that book? You're so nice, David. (laughs) It is called The Worry-Free Parent. It is available for pre-order now, but it will be coming out August 23rd, I think is the day. And in the month leading up to it, I'm going to do lots of fun, fun giveaways at Sissy Goff and Raising Boys and Girls on Instagram. We'll be doing a lot of stuff. Get ready. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited about it. Okay, lastly, let's talk about the heart. And I love this part of the conversation because it feels like a lot of the preventative work, too. Yes. Will you talk about where we start when we think about the heart? I think we always want to start with laying a solid foundation of emotional vocabulary. And my goodness, we've been talking about that for a long time. But long time. I don't know that we have ever felt as passionate about it as we do right now, Mm -hmm. because in these last years, we are just seeing more and more kids using big words, big declarations to cue the grownups around them that they're struggling. And often, I think it's because they don't have a really solid emotional vocabulary. And so they aren't accustomed to saying, I feel sad. They go straight to, I feel depressed. They don't say, I feel worried. They go straight to, I have anxiety or I'm having a panic attack. And Sometimes those words just don't fit. And, you know, let's laugh together. I toured a little six-year-old girl around our office not long ago. And, you know, when kids come for the first time, we'll get them a snack and they can meet the dogs and we'll get to experience the office, then sit down in our offices and talk together. And I said, you know, I want to learn a little more about why you're here. Tell me what you and your parents talked about. And she said, I have a lot of toxic relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hear that word once a week oh, in my, my office. Oh, my goodness. I bet you do. Mm-hmm. She was six years old. She did not have any toxic relationships. I surveyed that with her parents as well. She had a lot of frustrating relationships, but she had heard that word, which I think, as you're sharing, we throw around a lot, and she had attached strongly, and that felt like a big word to describe her experience yes. as opposed to, I have some frustrating relationships. I have some friends um, that I have conflict with sometimes, mm-hmm. and so... Anchoring kids to accurate terminology is something we cannot stress enough. More than ever in this day and age, we want to start there. And when we are doing that ourselves, our kids' mirror neurons are firing. And you have heard us say before, we'll continue to say on this podcast, kids learn more from observation than Mm. information. So there's so much good learning happening in both directions. If we're using accurate words, good learning, If we're saying a lot like, oh, I've got some PTSD or I'm so OCD in these moments, mirror neurons are firing. And my suspicion is that some of what happened with that little girl. So we want to pay very close attention to what we're modeling. Yes. And I think it kind of cycles us right back to we want to pay attention to are we doing the work of help for the body and the brain in front of kids? Because... You know, it's fascinating that there is research that tells us that when parents of newborns, so this is brand new into the journey of parenting, are stressed, that babies cry or fuss more mm. than if parents are feeling calm and confident. And so, How wild. It yes, starts that early. It starts that yeah. early that they're watching and observing. Sissy, we may know better than most that parenting is not for the faint of heart. So let's face it, sometimes a little extra help goes a really long way. That's why I love Care.com. Me too, David. It has really helped out my sister Kathleen in a pinch. Care.com makes it so easy to find local, experienced, and background-checked child care. You know, it's been a long time since I've needed child care, but I love <laughs> recommending Care.com. 
to young families because they offer so many options for support from nannies to babysitters to tutors. From after-school sitters to homework helpers, all caregivers from Care.com are required to complete a background check before they're able to interact with families on the platform. Sissy, we're always telling parents to make sure they find the support they need. None of us were meant to do this alone. Care.com can be part of the support parents need. It's so easy to add Care.com to your parenting toolkit. Just go to Care.com and post a job for caregivers to apply. Search for qualified candidates, view profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, and more. I know you aren't in charge of finding caregivers for Witt and Henry, but you can still use Care.com to find housekeepers, dog walkers, caregivers for seniors, and more. Yes, it's amazing. Lucy is going to be so excited to have a new friend to walk her around the neighborhood. Sign up now at care.com and see why over 3 million families use this amazing platform. Get the help you need to make it all work for your family at care.com. That's C-A-R-E dot com. What else would you say in terms of help here? Well, I love that you talked about that. I think it's so important and so much of the work we're doing with kids and why we love having feelings charts everywhere we go and why we have them on our website, because it just feels so important. And, you know, there's an interesting thing I have noticed in the last, I would say I've noticed it more in the last six months with girls. And, And we talk about this so much with boys and girls. The reason that I called Braver, Stronger, Smarter that is not only because I love the poo quote that talks about it, but also because I wanted to remind girls what we know to be true about every kid we've ever seen who's anxious. And we talked about this on the understanding episode, but they're all really bright. They're really conscientious. They care so much. They're trying so hard. They're amazing kids. Grownups, if you're listening, you're an amazing human. It's part of why you're anxious is because of all these beautiful parts of who God made you to be. The same is true for them. And so what I have noticed with girls Well, let me say, in the last five to 10 years, I feel stronger than ever before that one of the best gifts we can give girls is to help them develop their intuition. Mm. And I think it starts really early on is that girls have this gut sense of something happening. And what I'm seeing is because these girls are kind, because they're conscientious, because they try hard and they want to please... If that's me, I go to school one day and something feels off with a friend. And rather than thinking, huh, wonder what's going on with her. I wonder if she got in a fight with her mom on the drive to school or wonder if something hard's happened in her family. She immediately thinks, why is she upset with me? What have mm-hmm. I done wrong? She turns it on herself. And so I believe there's this phenomenon where girls turn intuition inward mm-hmm. against themselves. And I think a lot of anxious girls, that's what's happening. They're reading something in their environment but it becomes about them because they don't even necessarily understand that their radar is going off for a reason. And so to help girls, I think of all ages, understand not just their feelings, but their gut and that sense of something rises up in you, it's really important to pay attention. And often your first thought, and if you're a mom talking to your daughter, you could say my first thought, because it's true, our first thought as women, I think, and, and there are definitely men that do this too, But your first thought is sometimes going to be, what did I do? Instead, I want you to think about, could there be more to the story? And let's see if that could be that you're sensing something's wrong with a friend or something's off in the environment, or even the Holy Spirit's prompting you with something. 
But I think searching for that intuitive sense of of what's going on inside of her heart, again, is on the front end, we're teaching skills that can be preventative in our work with anxiety rather than just reactive. So, okay, let's talk about some practical takeaways. We always love those. I'm going to jump in with one and then will you say the next? Okay, we laugh about this a lot. How often we have kids who say, I tried breathing and it doesn't work. Or I'm not doing that thought thing. I tried it once and it doesn't work, right? Tell them about your breathing guy. Oh my gosh. I had a little (laughs) seven-year-old boy who came in for his first appointment and said, my mom listens to your podcast all the time. And she said, you talk about breathing. I tried it and it just doesn't work for me. And I'm like, well, that's interesting because everybody I teach it to would report it does. And I said, show me how you're doing it. And he went, (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay, well, buddy, that's labor and delivery breathing. And you do not ever really need that. Like, I want to teach it to you the right way. So sometimes it's about that. Yes. And I I mean, I met with a girl this week who refuses to do any of the work because she says it doesn't matter. And part of that is because it is easier for kids to let themselves go to 10 and you be the coping strategy rather than them developing any on their own. And I think also, I'd be curious if you would agree with this, I think also often it's kids are perfectionistic, and so they don't want to admit something's wrong yes. that they need tools for, and totally. so they don't use them. Totally. That was my scenario this yeah, week. Yeah, I believe it. And with those kids, again, because they're so bright, I mean, I turned into a seventh grade science teacher. I explained everything about the effects on the body because that's that's the beauty of cognitive behavioral therapy. It is so researched. There are years of evidence that goes into all of these practices, yes. and so we know they work. And Tina Bryson, if you have not listened to our episode with Tina Bryson, go back and listen to it. I remember that she talked about it takes a month to develop a new neural pathway. And that's what we're doing. That's why we've got to practice over and over and over. A month is a long time. Yes, it is. And even to help kids know it's going to take a long time. We've got to get in there and practice. Like you say, practice makes progress. Yes. Well, and I think too, Sissy, I love that you said that because Even going back to what you said about intuition, I sat with a mom yesterday who was doing a version of that to herself. Like she was Mm. like, I've taught her these skills. What did I do wrong? How did I not teach it the right way? And I was like, she explained it all. I said, you taught it the exact right way. And you use Braver, Stronger, Smarter, which is the best book out there on helping kids with anxiety. It's just that she hasn't practiced enough. And so that leads into my second takeaway, which is that these are learned skills no different than riding a bike, swimming in the deep end of the swimming pool. They have to be learned, and then they have to be practiced. And Mm. I think we can sometimes make the mistake of assuming kids are just going to have these things intact, and they aren't. I mean, I've I've laughed over the years at, you know, how tempting I think it is for any parent on the front side of development with toddlers to be like, you need to calm down. And it's like, have we taught them how to do that? That makes me more angry you say that. We're screaming, you need to calm down, but we often are. But it's like assuming they would know how to name and navigate their feelings. And we've got to teach that. We've got to create some space and all the things that we've been talking about. So that's my takeaway. These are learned skills that have to be taught and practiced. Yes. And to add to that, in worry-free, Raising Worry-Free Girls, I have kind of a template for how to incentivize it along the way because I'm sitting with more and more kids who won't jumpstart the beginning of practice. And so I think sometimes until they have the internal motivation, we've got to place some external motivation around them. So There's a blueprint there. Okay, last thing we would say, and I think we would both agree with this, is that you got to do your own work. 
And I had a parent I met with this week, too, who her daughter went into her room and was crying. They'd had an argument. And her mom walked in, saw her daughter crying, and said, are you having a panic attack? Mm. I mean, I, I know she intended so well in that moment, but she introduced that concept to her daughter. And I tried to gently say to this mom, none of us can breathe when we're crying hard. <laughs> like, that's just part of the deal. That doesn't necessarily mean she's having a panic attack. But I think what was driving that question was the mom's own anxiety. And we really would say the best thing that you can do for the anxiety in your children is to manage your own. Be the calmest person in the room. Yes. And you can do it. We believe in you so much. And now Melissa Trevathan is going to bring us some timeless truth. Hmm. Today, I have anxiety. I think I caught it from others. It, it just came on quick. and it, it was like the flu or cold or COVID. I have tools. I have a toolbox supposed to breathe deeply, be mindful, memorize scripture, sleep, eat. My toolbox is kind of like the one I got for Christmas, though. It's pink and pretty, and I have opened it. And there's a hammer, screwdriver. It just lays there, shiny. There's a drill, no power. This anxiety has just brought me to a halt. I look up in my room and I see the sign and it says, be still. I remember my grandmother used to always sign her letters, her notes, and tell me while pointing her crooked finger at me, Melissa, be still and know that he is God. Anxiety has me still, but as I'm still, I see a book. I am surrounded by books in my room here in Nashville, in my house at Hopetown. I love books. My mom was a librarian when I grew up, and so I was used to being surrounded by books. But I look up at all my books, and one stands out to me. It's an old book written in the early 70s by Catherine Marshall, and it's called The Helper. It catches my attention because that's what we're talking about today, help. In the very first chapter of Catherine's book, it's entitled, Who is the Helper? And she quotes John 14, 16 and 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That he will remain with you forever. You know and recognize him for he lives with you and will be in you. John 14, 16, and 17, I love to read in different versions, and of course, I go toward the message who says, I'll talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the Spirit of Truth. You know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. I'll not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because, and this part, I am alive and you're about to come alive. I'm alive and you're about to come alive. In my state of feeling helplessness, feeling overwhelmed with my anxiety, feeling like I'm all alone, 
that as I read the Word of God, I am reminded that I am about to come alive because I have a friend. I have a comforter. I have an advocate. I have a helper. Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Oh, that is so true. I knew at the beginning I couldn't do that I needed the Spirit. I knew I needed the Holy Spirit. I began by the Spirit. I knew there was nothing I could do but trust Jesus and through the Holy Spirit depend on Him. But as I began to get more confident of my calling and to try to live this life doing things right, pleasing others, pleasing Him, I realized that I was trying to finish by means of the flesh, of doing my own thing. And with that came my anxiety. Eugene Peterson says the term spirit is a metaphor in biblical languages. In Hebrew and Greek, it simply means wind or breath. It is invisible. We only know it is present by seeing or feeling what it does. It blows clouds through the sky. It fills the sails of a boat and sends it scudding across the lake. It cools our perspiring skin on a hot day, fills our lungs. When trees are waving wildly, we know that a mighty wind is making them dance. Biblically informed men and women observing the intricacies of creation, the marvels of salvation, and the daily blessings that keep our lives alert in adoration and praise know that God's wind Breath, spirit is behind it all. It happens all the time. It happens every day. God present and active among us, the Holy Spirit, is happening today. The breath, the wind of the Holy Spirit. Sissy and David talk so much about the breath and about how important it is to breathe. I think so often how I just hold my breath. But to be able, through the Holy Spirit, as He breathes on me, through me, in me, that I have a friend. I come alive. I'm reminded of Zechariah 4, 6, and 7, one that I'm sure you know. is This one's from the Amplified Version. It says, Then He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, by my friend, I put that in, by my friend, says the Lord of hosts. For who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles? And then I add, for who are you, O great mountain of anxiety? My help comes from the Lord. He's given me a toolbox. He gives me the strength. He gives me the desire. He brings me alive. And through him, I can open that toolbox. And the Word of God blesses me and gives me purpose. It's time to get up and go. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. 
don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.